After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz in Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Asrih Al-Aziz stated that as I mentioned in the previous Friday sermon, today I will narrate the accounts relating to the military expeditions against the Persians during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. In this regard, one of the battles was called the Battle of Zatus Salasil and is also known as the Battle of Kazima. This battle was fought in the month of Muharram al-Haram in the twelfth year after Hijra. This battle is known by three names, the Battle of Zatus Salasil, the Battle of Kazima and the Battle of Hafir. This battle is known as the Battle of Zatus Salasil, in other words the Battle of Chains, because the Arabic word for chain is Silsila, and Salasil is its plural. This is because the Persian soldiers had tied themselves to one another with chains, so that none of them could flee from battle. However, some historians do not accept this narration regarding the Battle of Zatus Salasil. This battle was fought between Muslims and the Persians near Kazima, and as such, it is also known as the Battle of Kazima. Kazima is a town located at the coast on the way from Basra to Bahrain. And since it was fought in the area known as Hafir, it is also called the Battle of Hafir. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid was the commander-in-chief of the Muslims and the name of the commander-in-chief of the Persians was Hurmuz. The Muslim army comprised of 18,000 soldiers and as has been mentioned in previous sermons, Hurmuz was the Persian governor of that region who enjoyed a higher status in terms of his ancestry, dignity and honour than most other Persian leaders.
It was the custom of the more revered individuals of Iran to wear expensive hats instead of ordinary ones. And the higher a person's status was, in terms of ancestry, dignity and honour, he would wear a hat corresponding to his status. Thus, it is said that the most expensive hat cost a hundred thousand dirham, and only an individual of the highest level of respect, dignity and honour was considered worthy of wearing it. As such, the status of Hurmas can be gauged from the fact that his hat cost a hundred thousand dirham. The Persians afforded him with great honour, but the Arabs living at the border in Iraq abhorred him as he treated those Arabs much harsher than all the other officials at the border. Their dislike, in other words, of the non-Muslim Arabs had reached the point that whenever they mentioned the immorality of an individual, they would use Hurmaz's name as a proverbial expression. For example, they would say that such and such individual is even more immoral than Hurmuz, or such and such individual is even more wretched than Hurmuz, or that such and such individual is even more forgetful of the favours conferred upon him than Hurmuz. And due to this very reason, Hurmuz often had to deal with the continuous raids and skirmishes conducted by the Arabs. And on the other hand, Hurmuz also used to engage in skirmishes with the Indians at sea. In any case, before setting off from Yamama, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid wrote a letter to Hurmuz in which he wrote that obey and you will remain protected or you may acquire a guarantee for your protection as well as that of your nation by accepting to pay the jizya. Otherwise, there will be none to blame but yourself. For I have brought such a nation to oppose you, which loves death just as you cherish life. When Hazrat Khalid's letter reached Hurmuz, he informed the Persian king of it and then gathered his forces and set out along with a swift battalion to Kazima to fight against Hazrat Khalid. He advanced more swiftly than his horses. However, he did not encounter Hazrat Khalid bin Walid on his path. And instead, he heard news that the Muslim army was gathering in Hafir. And so, he turned around and set forth for Hafir. Hafir is the first location one would cross en route from Basra to Mecca. And as soon as he arrived there, he organized the formation of his forces. Hurmuz appointed his two brothers to his right and left flanks, the first of whom was Qubaz and the second was Anushjan. And the Persian forces had chained themselves together. This is what has been mentioned according to this narration. And it is said that upon seeing this strategy, those who differed said to them that you have helped the enemy by binding yourselves together in chains. Do not take this course of action, for this is a bad omen.
However, those in favour of binding themselves together by chains responded and stated that we have received news that you intend to flee and run away. When Hazrat Khalid received news of Hurma's arriving in Hafid, he redirected his forces to Kazima. And Hurma's learned of this and immediately set forth for Kazima and set up his encampment there. Hurmaz and his armies assembled in rows and took control of the water supply. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid set up camp in an area where there was no water and the people brought this matter to him. Upon this, his caller announced that everyone should dismount, unload their provisions and then fight the enemy for control of the water. For surely the control of the water supply would fall into the hands of the army that is more steadfast and honourable of the two. Upon this, the provisions were unloaded and the mounted soldiers took their place and the foot soldiers marched forward and attacked the enemy. Both sides engaged in battle and all the while Allah sent a cloud behind the Muslim forces and it rained behind the Muslims which gave them strength. Hurmaz then hatched a plot to deceive Hazrat Khalid he instructed his defensive forces that he would challenge Hazrat Khalid to a duel and while he keeps him occupied in combat, they should launch a surprise attack on Hazrat Khalid. Following this, Hurmaz approached the battlefield and Hazrat Khalid dismounted from his horse. Hurmaz too dismounted from his horse and challenged Hazrat Khalid to a duel. Hazrat Khalid approached him and a fight ensued and both attacked one another. Hazrat Khalid was able to overcome Hurmuz, upon which Hurmuz's defensive forces broke protocol and attacked Hazrat Khalid while surrounding him. It is said that when a single combat duel such as this is taking place, others are not allowed to interfere and attack. However, the enemy's army launched an attack. But despite this, Hazrat Khalid was able to kill Hurmuz. And as soon as Hazrat Kaka bin Amr witnessed this deception by the Persians, he surrounded and attacked Hurmuz's defensive forces and killed them. The Persian forces faced defeat and fled, and Qubaz and Anushjan were also from among those who fled. The Muslims then pursued the Persian forces in the darkness of the night and continued to kill them up until the large bridge at the Euphrates River where today Basra is established. Upon the conclusion of this battle, Hazrat Khalid had the spoils of war collected and amongst the spoils of war was also a camel's load worth of chains. The chains weighed 1,000 ratl, in other words, approximately 375 kilograms. And the spoils of war sent to Hazrat Abu Bakr who also included Hurmuz's hat, which was worth 100,000 dirhams and was embellished with gems. Hazrat Abu Bakr who gave this cap to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid sent the good news of the victory, the khums and an elephant to Medina and he also announced everywhere about the victory of the Islamic army. Zir bin Kulab went to Medina with the khums and the elephant 
and the people of Medina had never seen an elephant before. In fact, let alone the people of Medina, no Arab had ever seen an elephant aside from the elephants of Abraha's army. And when the elephant was paraded through the entire town, upon seeing it, the elderly women were astonished and asked whether it was something from among the creation of God and they thought that it was something that had been constructed. Hazrat Abu Bakr then sent the elephant back with Zir to Hazrat Khalid. One key reason for why the Muslims succeeded in this battle was the policy Hazrat Abu Bakr devised with respect to the farmers of Iraq and which Khalid implemented strictly. Under this policy, the farmers were not disturbed and instead they were left wherever they were settled. And aside from a small amount taken in the form of jizya, no other form of tax was taken from them. Every member of the cavalry who took part in the battle of Zatus Salasil was given 1,000 dirhams and those on foot were given one-third of this. The Battle of Ghazima had a far-reaching impact. It made the Muslims realize one thing, that despite knowing all about the reputation of the power wielded by the Persians, their full-strength army could not contend with a small Muslim army. Also, the Muslims could not even imagine the volume of the spoils they acquired. Then there is mention of the Battle of Ubullah, which was fought in 12 Hijri. Hazrat Abu Bakr ordered Hazrat Khalid to start the campaign in Iraq from Ubullah, which was a frontier part of the Persian Gulf area. Trade caravans from Iraq that would travel to the subcontinent and Sindh would first stop at Ubullah. There are two narrations with regards to the conquest of Ubullah. One narration is that the Muslims conquered it for the first time during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr but then later fell back into the hands of the Persians and it was during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar that the Muslims conquered it fully. And according to the second narration, Abullah was conquered in the time of Hazrat Umar but Alama Tabri has recorded brief details of this battle in his book under the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr However, he further writes that the conquest of Abullah, which has been mentioned by historians during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr seems to be contrary to authentic narrations because Abullah was conquered in 14 Hijri during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar at the hands of Utbah bin Ghazwan. This has been mentioned in other books of history as well with regards to the Battle of Abullah. Some historians attribute the first victory during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr whereas others reject this notion and state that this battle did not take place in the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr rather it was during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar in any case, in the books of history, the battles of Abullah and his conquest has been recorded during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar. 
and it seems that Abullah was first conquered during the blessed Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr However, afterwards, owing to receiving Persian aid through sea routes, the people of Abullah rebelled and broke away. And it was during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar it was conquered once again. Nonetheless, the details of the Battle of Abullah are as follows. After the Battle of Zatus Salasil, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid sent Hazrat Musanna to pursue the defeated Persian army. And alongside this, he sent Hazrat Makal to Abullah to gather the spoils of war and apprehend the prisoners of war. Hence, Makal left from there and reached Abullah and gathered the spoils as well as the prisoners. Further details about this conquest during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar are as follows. Hazrat Umar sent Hazrat Utbah bin Ghazwan to Basra in 14 or 16 Hijri and instructed him to remain there for one month. The people of Abullah came out to confront him and they were 500 non-Arab soldiers who were appointed to safeguard Abullah. Hazrat Utbah fought against them and defeated them and then penetrated the Persian town. Hazrat Utbah returned to his army and Allah the Almighty struck awe and fear in the hearts of the Persians and they left the town. They took whatever little they could and boarded boats they crossed the river and left, and in this way the entire town was left vacant. The Muslims entered the town and found many weapons, as well as other provisions, and also seized the prisoners. And after taking out the Khums from all the spoils, the rest was divided amongst the Muslim soldiers, who numbered 300 in total. Then there is the Battle of Mazar, which was fought in Safar 12 Hijri. Mazar was a settlement in Misan, and between Mazar and Basra there was a distance of four days' travel. During this incident, everyone was reciting the following, that the month of Safar has arrived and every rebellious oppressor will be killed at the place where the rivers meet. In the Battle of Zatus Salasil, Hurmuz was up against Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. Hurmuz had written to his king to send reinforcements, and the king sent a contingent as reinforcements under the command of Qarin. However, this contingent had only reached Mazar when they received news of the defeat of Hurmuz in the Battle of Zatul Salasil and his death. Alongside this, contingents of the defeated army of Hurmuz ran to Mazar and met Qarin. And some of the soldiers from the contingent who ran away said to the soldiers under Qarin that if you become dispersed today, then you will never be able to gather together as one again. Therefore, immediately prepare to return. The soldiers of the army that ran away and the soldiers from the reinforcements, in other words, the new army coming from Persia, joined forces and both incited each other to war. A new army was now formed to defend the king. And the forces that had run away said that this is our commander Qarin and it is quite possible that God will grant us victory and rid us of our enemy. And in this way we can recover some of our loss. Thus they did so accordingly and settled in Mazar. 
Garin assigned the vanguard to Qubaz and Anushjan, who had run away during the Battle of Zatus Salasil. Meanwhile, Hazrat Musanna and Hazrat Muanna had sent news of the activities of the enemy to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. As soon as Hazrat Khalid heard of Qarin's arrival, he distributed the spoils of war received in the Battle of Zatus Salasil to those soldiers who had been allotted the spoils according to Allah's decree. He also gave from the Khums as much as they wished. He then sent the remaining spoils and the Khums from the Battle of Zatus Salasil and the good news of the victory to Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Khalid also informed Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu that the army defeated in the Battle of Zatul Salasil has joined the new contingent under the command of Karin and have gathered in one place. Thus, Hazrat Khalid left from there and went to confront Karin's army in Mazar. He arranged his army in rows and the two armies clashed in a state of rage and fury. Qarin stepped into the battlefield for a duel and both Hazrat Khalid and Hazrat Makil bin Asha stepped forward to confront Qarin. However, Hazrat Makil moved ahead swiftly to overpower Qarin and killed him. Hazrat Asim killed Anushjan and Hazrat Adi killed Qubaz. When the three of these Persian commanders had been killed, the resolve of the remaining forces was broken and they began to flee. During this battle, a large number of Persians were killed and those that retreated boarded boats and fled. Hazrat Khalid remained in Mazar and he gave the provisions belonging to the dead soldiers to the person that killed him, no matter how much it was. He also gave to them those spoils that were acquired without any fighting, i.e. the Mali affair, and from among the Khums he gave to those soldiers who displayed extraordinary feats and he then sent the remaining Khums with a delegation headed by Hazrat Sayyid bin Numan to Medina. And according to one narration, 30,000 Persians were killed in this war, and this does not include those that jumped in the river and drowned. It is said that if the water did not stop the Muslims, not a single soldier would have been spared. Still, there were some who survived and fled in a frantic state, leaving behind everything they had. After the battle, all those who fought and aided the Persian army were imprisoned along with their families. And among these prisoners was Abul Hassan Basri. And it is said that Abul Hassan Basri, who was the father of Imam Hassan Basri, who became a Muslim and was a renowned preacher and Sufi of Basra. It is said that after being imprisoned, Abul Hassan Basri was taken to Medina, where his captor freed him. After this victory, the general population was treated with exceeding kindness and without inflicting any sort of harm upon them, farmers and all others were urged to offer jizya and they were allowed to maintain possession of their lands and properties. Then after tending to these preliminary matters, Hazrat Khalid then turned his attention towards the law and order of the conquered lands. He assigned collectors for jizya in various places and also, in order to ensure the safety of the conquered land, 
The armies that were already appointed at Hafid and at Jisr Azam, i.e., the Great Bridge, were better organized, and each battalion was appointed a commanding officer, and they were ordered to remain abreast of secret and open movements of the enemy, and also to combat them if ever the need arose. What greater testament can there be to Khalid's military prowess than the fact that from the outset of his advancements in Iran, the mighty armies of Chosroes began to fall and their vigorous confidence and enthusiasm dissipated. The Battle of Mazar took place only a short distance away from Hira and Hira is located between the Gulf and Madain. Upon tending to various matters after the battle, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid became occupied in obtaining intelligence regarding the enemy plans so that he could remain aware of the enemy's movements and also to ensure that they weren't assembling against Islam. Another battle was the Battle of Walaja, which took place in Safar 12 Hijri. Walaja is a dry land near Kaskar. The Persians had been made to face humiliating defeat at the Battle of Mazar, in which many of their prominent leaders were killed. Upon this, the Persian king devised another ploy and intended to confront the Muslims with better preparation. Hence, the Persian government invited a prominent tribe of Christians from Iraq called Bakr bin Wail to Iran and after inciting them to fight against the Muslims, they formed an army and a famous cavalier named Andar Zaghar was appointed as its leader. The army then proceeded to Walaja and there was a large tribe of Christians residing in Iraq called Bakr bin Wail. The emperor, Artajir, called them and organized them into an army, upon which he sent them to Walaja to fight the Muslims. The residents and farmers living in the surrounding areas of Hira and also Kaskar joined the army. Hira is a city located three miles northwest of Kufa, while Kaskar is a town located between Kufa and Basra. The thought arose that all of the credit for defeating the Muslims should not go solely to the Christian Arabs, and so a prominent soldier named Bahman Jazabeh was also sent with a large army. And when the Persian ruler felt that his army was quite large, he decided to attack Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid was near Basra when he learned of the Persian army assembling in Walaja. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid felt that the best course of action was to attack the Persian army from three sides so that they become scattered and would become confused due to the sudden attack. Hence, he appointed Suwaid bin Mukarrin in his stead and instructed him to remain in Hafir, and he himself went to join those whom he had left in the lower part of Dijla. Hazrat Khalid bin 
He instructed them to always remain vigilant with regards to the enemy and to never be caught off guard or be deceived. Hazrat Khalid then took his army and set out towards Walajah and fought against the enemy army and its supporters, ensuing in a fierce battle. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid had Muslim soldiers lie in ambush on both sides of the enemy army and eventually both battalions attacked the enemy from either side. The Persian armies fled upon suffering defeat. However, they were surrounded from the front by Hazrat Khalid bin Walid and from behind by the two battalions that had been lying in ambush. And this perturbed them to the extent that they no longer cared if their compatriots were killed and the leader of the enemy forces were ultimately defeated and killed. And Hazrat Khalid bin Walid treated the farmers as he usually would. In other words, he did not kill any of them, and only the progenies of those who had participated in the war and their supporters were captured, while the general population of the nation were urged to offer jizya and become part of the Muslim rule, which the people accepted. Then there is mention of the Battle of Ulas. The Battle of Ulas took place in Safar 12 Hijri. Ulas was one of the cities in the Amber province in Iraq. And the humiliating defeat handed by Hazrat Khalid to Bakr bin Vail and the Persians at the Battle of Walaja greatly angered their fellow Christians. They and the Persians exchanged letters and then gathered at a place called Ullas. The appointed leader was Abdul Aswad Ijli, and similarly, the Persian emperor wrote a letter to Bahman Jazveh and instructed him to take his army to Ullas and to join with the Persian and Arab Christians that were gathered there. However, Bahman Jazveh did not accompany the army himself, However, he appointed another brave fighter named Jaban and sent him off with the instructions of inciting people to fight, but to not engage in battle with the opposition until he himself arrived, unless they were attacked first. Hence, Jaban set out towards Ulas, and Bahman Jazveh then went to the Persian emperor, Artashir, in order to consult with him. However, upon arriving, he found the emperor to be ill. And so, Bahman Jazveh became occupied in tending to him and did not send any guidance to Jaban. Jaban set out along with the army towards the battlefront and arrived at Ullas in the month of Safar. Various tribes and Arab Christians from the surrounding areas of Hira joined Jaban. And when Hazrat Khalid learned that these Christian tribes had assembled, he set out to combat them. However, he was unaware that Jaban was nearby as well. Hazrat Khalid had set out only with the intention of combating those Arabs and Christians. However, he was confronted by Jaban in Ulas. When Jaban arrived in Ulas, the non-Arabs asked him his opinion as to whether they should gather intelligence or eat first. In other words, they asked whether they should begin fighting or eat first and then fight. Upon this, Jaban said that if the opposition was not posing any hindrance, then they should remain silent. However, he was of the opinion 
that they would attack them suddenly and not allow them the opportunity to eat. However, they did not heed to what Juban said. They lay down their sheets and selected the food and after inviting everyone they began eating. Hazrat Khalid arrived to combat the enemy and he took a pause and instructed for their belongings to be unloaded. Once this was done, he turned his attention towards the enemy. Hazrat Khalid appointed a battalion to protect him from behind and he then proceeded towards the enemy ranks whilst proclaiming that where is Abjar, where is Abdul Aswad and where is Malik bin S. Aside from Malik, everyone else remained silent out of fear. Malik, however, came forward to fight and Hazrat Khalid said to him that out of all these people, what has given you the courage to come and face me? For you do not even possess the strength to combat me. After saying this, Hazrat Khalid attacked and killed Malik and made the non-Arabs get up from their sheets before they could even eat. Upon this, Jaban said to his people that did I not warn you against eating first? By God, I have never feared any soldier as I fear today's battle. When they were unable to eat, they began to suppose their bravery by saying, that we will leave the food for now until we are finished with the Muslims and then we will eat. Upon this, Jaban stated that by God it seems to me as if you have left this food for our opponents. Do not think that you will be victorious and will then eat. Rather, it seems to me that your opponents will eat this food. In other words, he meant the Muslims. He further stated that you, however, do not perceive this. So hearken to what I say now. He told them to listen to him and stated that poison the food because if you are victorious, then the loss of food is a paltry one. But if the opponent is victorious, then you will have done something to cause harm to our opponents because they would have eaten the poisonous food. However, those people were firmly convinced of their victory and said that there was no need to poison the food as they would easily win the war and would then eat the food. Hazrat Khalid then organized the formation of the army in the same way he did in the previous battles. A fierce battle then ensued and the Persians were expecting the arrival of Bahman Jazavir because Jaban was giving them hope of this and informing them that he had departed with a huge army. Hence, the Persians fought with great resolve and intensity. However, in reality, owing to the ill health of the Persian king, Bahman was neither able to tell the king of the current circumstance nor could he leave with an army. In fact, he was no longer able to have any communication with Jabban. In any case, the Muslims also fought with great courage and valour in this battle and intense fighting took place. With regards to the passion and zeal of the Persian army and the weakening state of the Muslims, a historian writes, From the Persian forces, the Christians were the first to launch an attack, but their leader Malik bin Qais was killed. And as soon as he was killed, their condition completely changed and they became dejected. Upon seeing this, Jaban sent the Persians to go forth and in the hope of Bahman's imminent arrival with reinforcements, they all fought with great bravery. And the Muslims attacked repeatedly, 
but the Persians were able to repel these attacks with great strength and determination. And so, upon seeing that all the physical measures one could adopt were proving to be insufficient, Hazrat Khalid raised his hands and began to supplicate with utmost humility that, O oh Allah, if you grant us victory over the enemy, then I shall not spare a single one of them and the river shall turn red with their blood. In certain other books, it is mentioned that Hazrat Khalid swore an oath or promised that if he was granted victory in the battle, then he would not let a single soldier from the enemy remain alive. In any case, Hazrat Khalid then tactfully moved the right and left flank of the army to attack the rear side of the Persian army. Following this, the Persian army became scattered and they realized that the safest option for them was to either flee or surrender. Hazrat Khalid then ordered to take the enemy forces as prisoners and not to kill anyone apart from those who were fighting. In other words, only those were to be killed who were engaged in combat. There is a note in relation to this from the research cell and I also believe this to be correct. Whilst mentioning the details of this incident, most of the biographers and historians, including Tariqh al-Tabari, have mentioned that in accordance to the pledge he had made in his prayer, Hazrat Khalid had all the prisoners killed and thrown into the river continuously for one night and one day, so that the river could turn red with their blood. In other words, he not only fought against those who were engaged in fighting, but he also killed those who had been taken as prisoners. And it is for this reason that even till today, this river is known as Nahruddam, i.e. the river of blood. However, this does not seem to be true in that the prisoners were killed and their blood was spilled into the river. It seems that the historians have either acted with negligence or greatly exaggerated. Or it is quite possible that those who sought to deliberately include false accounts of cruelty and barbarity in the wars fought by Muslims, they included such accounts wherever they found the opportunity. Among the historians, there were some who opposed the Muslims and they harboured malice against them. Therefore, they would write such things. Hence, it is possible that they may have written that the prisoners were killed and thrown into the river. But in any case, it seems that such accounts have been added from themselves so that through their ploys and deception, they would portray as if the Muslims carried out cruelty and oppression and also that the unarmed prisoners were killed. But first and foremost, in accordance to the rules and principles of warfare that were prevalent at the time, it would not have been objectionable to kill the prisoners. However, the battles which particularly took place in the blessed lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and in the era of Khilafat al-Rashta, there was never such an instance where the prisoners were killed like this. Although there were hundreds of thousands of people who were killed during these battles, but all of them were those who were killed during battle. If one studies the battles of the commander-in-chief, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, they will find that to whatever extent possible in the battlefield, he would spare the lives of those who either surrendered or was willing to pledge their obedience. And despite the false accounts by the historians, one who researches into anyone who was killed by him, they will find solid justifications and reasons for it. Similarly, if one ponders over this particular incident as well, 
they will find that it seems to be fabricated. This is because amongst the biographers and historians who have detailed every minute information with regards to these incidents, there are some who have not mentioned this particular incident at all. Therefore, this is proof of the fact that this was completely fabricated. In fact, one author, who generally tends to document history in a very liberal fashion and has mentioned certain things which one cannot agree with, even he mentioned after making reference to this incident that the narrators of this particular incident have greatly exaggerated. There is no doubt that Khalid treated the opponents of Islam very strictly that even Kaka and his men could not bear to see. He treated the prisoners in a very strict manner, but to say he killed them is wrong. Similarly, another author writes, through which it is evident that the Persians were not actually killed and thrown into the river. He writes that Hazrat Khalid launched an attack against the Christian army in such an intelligent manner and broke them down and completely destroyed the rows of the Persian army that it seemed as if they were made of mud as opposed to muscle and flesh. Since the Persian army was spread widely, they formed a crescent shape and encircled the Muslims. As a result, the Muslims were surrounded by the Persians and Arab Christians and the opponents began to fight with great passion. But the passion of the Christian army could not match to that of the Muslims. Each and every Muslim became like a bloodthirsty lion and through mighty onslaughts they cut through the Christian army like grass. Even though the Persians were marching and wounding the Muslims, but very few Muslims were falling down and those who were injured would fight with even greater passion. On the other hand, the Persians were being killed in such large numbers that the battlefield was covered with their bodies and those who were injured would leave the battlefield. The Muslims killed so many of their opponents that their clothes were covered with their bloodstains. The clothes of Khalid bin Walid were also in the same condition and the ground was drenched with the blood of the Persian army and it began to flow like water. Eventually the Persians suffered defeat and they fled in great panic. The Muslims pursued them and continued to kill or imprison their soldiers till quite some distance. And the Persians fled in such a disarray that a thousand soldiers of theirs plunged into the river and drowned. When the Persians had gone quite far ahead, the Muslims then returned. And it is said that 70,000 Persians were killed in this battle and 138 Muslims were martyred. Historians are also astonished at the fact that how the Muslims were able to kill so many of the Persians. This is what has been written by another historian. And so from this it is evident that even if one were to consider the incident where the river turned red to be true, then it is possible that it happened due to those injured soldiers who drowned in the river. Thus, it can be said that there is some element of exaggeration in these accounts and on the basis of this people had the opportunity to level such peculiar allegations against the Islamic wars and against the character of Hazrat Khalid. Through these battles they have tried to accuse the Muslims of being cruel and oppressive. 
In any case, Allah knows best. However, from what it seems is that these are just mere allegations. In any case, when the enemy suffered defeat and their army became scattered and the Muslims were no longer going after them and returned, Hazrat Khalid stood next to the food provisions and stated that this was for them because whenever the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would find the food which had been prepared by the enemy who had fled the battle, he would distribute it amongst this army. And so the Muslims began to eat the food as their evening meal and in the Battle of Ullas, 70,000 soldiers from among the enemy were killed which has already been mentioned. With regards to the victory at Amvesia, it is written that Allah the Almighty granted victory over Amvesia in Safar 12 Hijri without any battle taking place. Amvesia is the name of a place in Iraq and when Hazrat Khalid finished from the conquest of Ullas, he made preparations and went to Amvesia. However, prior to his arrival, his residents quickly fled from the area and dispersed in Sawad. Those settlements in Iraq, which the Muslims had conquered during the era of Hazrat Umar were named Sawad owing to its lush green fields. Hazrat Khalid ordered to seize everything that was in Amvesia and in its near vicinity. Amvesia was a city similar to Hira and Ules was its military cantonment. The spoils of war acquired by the Muslims from Amvesia was in such abundance that never before had such a vast amount been acquired in all the previous battles starting from Zatus Salasil. The share from the spoils of war granted to the horse riders was 1,500 dirham and this was in addition to what was given to all those who achieved great feats in this battle. The news of the conquest of Ullas and Amvesia was given by Hazrat Khalid through a person called Jandal who belonged to the Ijal tribe. He was famously known for being a courageous guide. He went to Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu and conveyed the news about the conquest of Ullas and also gave details of the amount acquired from the spoils of war and also the number of prisoners and the amount acquired as part of the Khums as well as those who achieved great feats. He particularly mentioned the valiant efforts of Hazrat Khalid in an excellent manner. Hazrat Abu Bakr was greatly impressed by his bravery firm resolve and the manner in which this emissary conveyed the news of victory. Hazrat Abu Bakr liked the mannerisms, the accounts of bravery and courage and the manner in which he narrated these accounts. And so Hazrat Abu Bakr inquired of his name and he replied that his name was Jandal. Hazrat Abu Bakr then commended him and granted him a bondswoman from the spoils of war from whom he had progeny. And it was on this occasion that Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that no woman from now will be able to give birth to a child the like of Khalid bin Walid. The rest of the accounts will be narrated in the future, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, 